Welcome to the John Wesley Fellows Podcast, the show where John Wesley Fellows have the opportunity to sit down with experts in a variety of fields to talk about the issues and topics that are top of mind in today's community. The centerpiece of a foundation for theological education, the Wesley Fellowship Program helps identify, train, and support scholars who are trained in the classical Wesleyan tradition and are committed to traditional innovation. For more information, visit aftesite.org. On today's episode, Dr. Stephen Moore interviews Shannon Sigler, the Executive Director of Fuller Theological Seminary's Brehm Center for Worship, Theology, and the Arts, and her work surrounding how these areas intersect. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome, Shannon Sigler, to this podcast. And Shannon, thanks so much for being willing to take some time and uh, both help our uh, the John Wesley Fellowship to get to know you and to also help us to learn more about your work, your area of study, and some of the things that you're interested in as we uh, prepare to launch this series uh, of podcasts. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. So maybe to get us rolling, it would be helpful for people to know a little bit about your background. Uh, would you kind of give everybody a little bit of an idea of your own educational background and work background and how and then what you're doing right now? Sure, of course. So I grew up down south, um, like you did, Steve, and um, I was really shaped by the Wesley Foundation in my school, uh, Louisiana Tech University, and um, really sensed a call to ministry at that point in my life in college. But simultaneously throughout my younger life, I had always identified as an artist. I always knew I was an artist, and that was part of who God had made me to be. And I really struggled during those college years with reconciling the two things, the the call to ministry and the call to make art. And um, our campus pastor really supported me in both of these areas. And um, eventually I found myself uh, in seminary at Asbury Seminary. And during that time, I continued this, this conversation within myself and with my professors and my peers about the integration of art and theology. I didn't fit into any of the typical seminary or ministry boxes. I, I tried them all out for about a quarter. Uh, you know, I tried children's ministry and then I tried missions and none of them were quite the right fit. And um, in a conversation with a faculty member, realized that perhaps um, a simple theology degree was what would prepare me best for this kind of unknown journey I was on, uncharted territory. So I, I crafted my own um, curriculum in many ways in theology and the arts at Asbury, took some courses at Regent College in Vancouver that really examined beauty and aesthetics and, and came out with a degree that um, I felt really happy with. I felt satisfied that I was able to go in some of the theological directions I wanted to go. Uh, but that was 2008 and uh, the bottom fell out of the economy and no churches were hiring arts pastors anymore. And if they had one, they had gotten laid off. Um, that value seemed suddenly to be um, extra or frivolous. And so I began really considering what my next steps would be at, at the same time I ended up getting married. And so my husband and I moved to Boston for his PhD work. He's also a fellow, by the way. And um, during that time, I continued my 
exploration in arts management, um, got a second degree in arts management, which really complemented my more theoretical theological degree I had gotten at Asbury. So um, I worked for a number of years at an organization called Christians in the Visual Arts, uh, SIVA, which at that time was based in Boston, and really got to know people who I would consider my tribe uh, for the first time really found some folks that spoke both the theology language and the art language and who were making really good art. Um, so this was a huge gift to me at the time. And from that point forward, I've known that there is a place for me to work at this intersection. Uh, to keep it short, um, after my time at SIVA, I spent some time as a stay-at-home mom with our son who at that point was three and curated several art exhibitions um, to kind of keep myself in the game and really prayed and leaned into the question of what my next steps were. I had a feeling they were school related, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to get a terminal, terminal degree in theology or a terminal degree in art. Um, and the short of it is I am now working on my PhD at the University of Manchester. Um, looking at developing a Wesleyan theological aesthetic, which I can talk about more if you'd like. Um, I also currently work at Fuller Seminary as the executive director of their Brim Center for Worship, Theology, and the Arts. Um, I've been in that role for about a year and am finding it particularly interesting to rebuild a center that has in many ways been stagnant um, and build it in such a way that acknowledges the current state of our world, whether it's COVID or racial injustice or other types of turmoil, um, really thinking about ways that the arts have a voice in the church, in the academy, and in the world. Now, that's terrific. What a, a great overview. Uh, and of course, many of our fellows will have a real interest, not only in your interest in the arts and theology and the way that that intersects, but also in uh, your uh, being involved in a British degree, because as you know, a number of our fellows have done work uh, in Great Britain, particularly at Manchester. Which mm -hmm. college are you at in Manchester? And say a little bit more about your project there that you're focusing on. Yeah, so I am studying in the, the School of Theology. And so I'm studying with a man named Stephen Wright, who is an Australian Methodist. And honest to goodness, I first met him over Skype about two years ago, and he was the first person I think I have ever talked to that understood what I was talking about <laughs> in this integration of theology and art, in particular Wesleyan theology and art. Um, I looked at some previous schools, uh, including Fuller, where I work, which has a fantastic PhD program, um, but no... Um, no Wesleyan professors, nobody that could really speak that language. And so I landed on Manchester for that reason, uh, because I felt like there was a common language to be explored um, with, with Dr. Wright in that space. Um, I don't remember the second question you asked. There was another part. That's okay, just uh, because I think people will be very interested to know that at this year's Christmas conference, uh, Jamie Smith, James K.A. Smith, will be one of our three keynote speakers. Great. And of course, he's now connected with Image Journal as the managing editor there, and I, mm -hmm. I know, know each other. 
Uh, say a little bit more about your work though with the Brim Center at Fuller. Sure. Um, so the Brim Center was originally founded, it, it was actually the first kind of para-academic center at Fuller. Um, and it was founded with a generous gift from Bill and Dolores Brim. And their interests really lie in um, crafting excellence in worship um, through the lens of creativity, um, viewing all of us as creators as we were made in the image of the creative God. And um, over the years of the Brim Center's history, that has looked a number of different ways. Um, we have currently, we have several different initiatives, part of the Brim Center. We have a film initiative called Real Spirituality. Um, the pun is very much intended. We have, um, we have just launched an artist church residency program that I had the opportunity to start about seven years ago in Seattle that has this year gone national. Um, and because of COVID, it, it's allowed some the online reach to really expand. So it's become scaled um, intentionally. So we have churches from all over the US from East Coast and West Coast and in between participating in the program this year. That program pairs artists and ministry leaders together to form um, mutual and reconcili reconciliatory relationships through the arts and creativity for the sake of the church and the culture. That's a bit of a mouthful, um, but it's the, the logistics and the reality of how that plays out are, are quite exciting in local congregations. Um, we also have the Bach Institute of Music um, and the Brim New Music Initiative, both of which are really serving worship pastors and musicians in church communities. Um, I could go on. There's a lot of transition right now happening in the Brim Center as there's a lot of transition happening in Fuller and most seminaries as a result of COVID. Um, and we're excited about those things, but they're not fully fleshed out yet. Now, many of those things our Wesley fellows will be well aware of uh, because many of them are find themselves in colleges, universities, seminaries, and also in uh, centers that may be connected. And so they'll be interested to have more of that discussion. Uh, and there'll be some breakout times at Christmas conference, our virtual Christmas conference, to, to do some of that. So uh, they can uh, do some follow-up there. So uh, as you uh, have done this work uh, with the church, uh, are you finding that Wesleyan churches, uh, that is, in the broadly speaking, Wesleyan kind of world, Anglican and in the Wesleyan persuasion, are they more receptive, less receptive about the same as other denominations or groups? That's a really good question. I think, I'm not sure I can answer it accurately yet. Um, my time working on the residency that we've built in a really hands-on way has primarily been in the Pacific Northwest. And in the Northwest, the Methodist Church is... Um, not as healthy and robust as in other parts of the country. And so many of those churches um, have not had the interest or the funds um, to participate and also would probably not resonate with the slightly evangelical or more moderate leanings of our program. Um, and so 
this round where we're reaching out um, on a national scale, we, we have had some interest from Wesleyan churches, in particular, a couple of Anglican churches with Wesleyan theological backgrounds um, have expressed interest in the program. So that's an experiment that um, will continue to, to grow over time in terms of the particular theological emphasis and the ability to engage the topic. Um, my dissertation actually puts forth that a Wesleyan theology, particularly a Wesleyan understanding of salvation and sanctification is really ripe for an engagement with the arts and creativity. Um, but that's another animal. <laughs> You're going to form the hearts of all those that have written and worked on Charles Wesley, of course, uh, but also uh, John and uh, uh, really the Wesley expression. I can think of some of our fellows like uh, Lester Ruth and Justin Berger and others that mm -hmm. are thrilled to hear you uh, thinking in these kind of ways. Uh, as you uh, uh, have worked within Fuller, uh, what have you found to be the receptivity of seminary students at Fuller as well as the faculty and staff at Fuller as you do this kind of work? Uh, is there kind of a curiosity or is there a, a, a deep embrace? I think, I think it's both in different situations. Um, I feel very privileged to be working among some brilliant scholars at Fuller many who have very different theological starting points than I would. Um, coming from a Reformed background, many of them. Um, I have one colleague who is working on his PhD at uh, Fuller right now who's looking at Wesley and film. And so we've had some conversations that have been really fruitful and energizing. Uh, in terms of those in my division and those on my staff, there is a lot of energy around um, the research that I'm doing, and I found a lot of support and encouragement and conversation partners there. Um, really wanting to bring the conversation on theological aesthetics further than just in the Reformed, Orthodox, and Catholic circles, but bringing it into another room, so to speak, uh, another perspective. So, And also probably connecting all of those as well. Absolutely, yes. So give us an example of kind of an exciting place that you would identify in that real spirituality, the film kind of world, and then give us a, an illustration in the, uh, the church and artist uh, connection. Maybe name one or two that, that you have been very impressed by and very appreciative of as you've kind of looked at different places. Sure. So with real spirituality, uh, the centers had to pivot a bit because a lot of the work that they do are live film screenings in Los Angeles with theaters full of lots of people. Um, so, so much of that has had to go online, um, which has proved equally as fruitful in many ways. Um, even more people can now participate in those conversations than would fit in a theater. And there's also a sense of intimacy, I think, that um, strangely, Zoom can provide for those kind of conversations. Um, you feel like you're directly speaking with the speaker or the presenter or the filmmaker in those spaces. Um, we are currently in conversation with Windrider and Sundance, um, considering we, we typically teach a course um, that's affiliated with Sundance every year as part of our master's program. 
And now we're rethinking that in light of COVID as well. So how can we still offer this experience, perhaps even offer it to more people um, because of, of what COVID has done to change the way that we're learning right now. So we're in early conversations about that, which is, is pretty exciting. Um, and I think I've heard that Windrider and Sundance are all going to be online this next year. They are, exactly. And that's what I mean. I think there's, it actually presents an opportunity to think about things a little bit differently and ask who has not been at the table but can be now, now that we're online. Yeah, that's great. What about uh, artists in the church? Uh, are there two or three places that you would single out and you'd say, it's very exciting what this or that church are doing? Yeah, I have seen um, many folks who have gone through our residency experience um, a much deeper articulation, and I'm talking about artists right now, a much deeper articulation of how their faith informs their art and vice versa. Um, and then recognizing that they can have healthy relationships with the church um, that aren't transactional, um, that are actually where artists are deeply known um, and valued by church leadership in ways that bring in creative voices into worship. I'm trying to think of some specifics for you. You got me on the spot. <laughs> now, while you're thinking of that, let me ask you this question, because you've mentioned SIVA, uh, Christians in the Visual Arts, and, you, and we've talked about Image Journal just briefly. Are there other resources, if someone was listening to this, and they were a prospective John Wesley Fellow or someone interested in theology and the arts. Are there other resources that you have discovered that you might point people to? Sure. Um, so a lot of my early interest in this area was really fulfilled at Regent College. And so Regent, um, their program has shrunk a little bit with all the shifts in, in higher education, but um, they do still offer a number of resources to examine theology and the arts. Um, I would also say um, even looking into your local arts organizations, while they're not necessarily faith-based, there's a lot of really amazing work going on on the local level. Uh, New City Arts, arts Initiative in Charlottesville, Virginia is doing some amazing work. The director of that initiative is a, is a believer, um, but the organization is, is not a Christian organization. Um, Image Journal, of course, that you mentioned earlier, is doing really excellent work in this area um, with both visual art and literature. Um, Duke, um, Duke Initiatives in Theology and the Arts um, is an academic wing of this conversation, but also has recently produced more resources for lay people and church leaders. Um, Seedbed uh, out of Asbury Seminary has done some work in theology and the arts, some of which I've authored and, and other good thinkers as well. Uh, I'm sure there's more. Yeah. <laughs> we should put them in the notes. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, it's great to have that and to be thinking about. Uh, as you have been doing some of your research, your uh, reading, uh, are, there, uh, are there some threads that you've begun to identify that you'd say, this has been very helpful to discover this and to kind of inform your thinking and your research and your writing? Yes. Um... So I'm looking primarily at Charles Wesley. My previous research 
prior to starting PhD work was looking mostly at his hymnody, which is where most people start, um, rightfully so, because for many years that was all we had. Uh, with the more recent publications or translations of Charles's journals, we have a lot more to work with in learning not just about his poetics, but about who he was as a person, who he was in relationship to others, in relationship to the Methodist movement, which is very exciting. Um, so I've set out in this work to look at him um, not through the lens of his poetry exclusively, but at his, um, his own identity and how we might conceive of him, of him as an artist. Um, so trying to dig into some of the me messiness of his psychology, um, which is difficult to do obviously with a historic figure. I've had some good conversations with Brad Strawn, who I don't know if he's a, was a John Wesley fellow, but he's a um, Wesleyan psychologist. He is at Fuller. Um, I think what's been surprising to me is how much the psychological piece has become important to this exploration. So overlaying what we know and have known about Charles Wesley's theology, not just with his poetics, but with what we can tell about his personality and how it may have changed, seems to have changed after his assurance of salvation. Um, and so I'm really looking at the way soteriology from a Wesleyan perspective overlays with what actually happened in Charles's life to understand how a Wesleyan understanding of salvation and assurance of salvation could inform artists in the church today, those who have similar creative personalities to Charles, who may have um, emotional temperaments um, and a high creative capacity. How can we minister to those folks in our congregations through a Wesleyan understanding of how we grow in the image of Christ, yeah. which is super fun to look into. Yeah, that's terrific. And of course, we know the Wesleyans, uh, John and Charles and others' influence upon the Clapham group and their use of uh, an influence upon the Wedgwood uh, and the use of art to communicate uh, and to work against uh, the slave industry uh, mm -hmm. uh, in Britain and around the world. So we know that there's that artistic creative theme that keeps coming back through and uh, coming to the top in a number of different places and ways. Sure. Yeah. I, both Wesley's really, you know, rather than relying on writing systematics, like we see with Calvin and others, most of their theology is really couched in practical documents. And I think even that sets a precedent for the arts and embodiment more so than, than a reformed tradition does naturally. Um, I'm a little biased, obviously, but um, I find Wesleyan theology much more easily translated into the world of aesthetics. All of us that are John Wesley fellows would probably agree with you. <laughs> Preaching to the choir. Tell us how you found out about the John Wesley Fellows and uh, about any encounters you've had with John Wesley Fellows that you've appreciated. Sure. So I found out about them through my husband. Um, his name is Matt Sigler, and he he got his PhD at Boston University and when our, when we were newlyweds. And I remember um, he applied, he got in to BU, and then we were like, how are we going to pay for this? I don't remember who told Matt about the Wesley Fellows. It may have been you. It may have been Doug Strong. 
Um, but he applied, he had his interview. He thought it went terribly. Um, he came home and said, I didn't get it. <laughs> and then a month or so later, you called him on the phone at 11 PM. And actually it was a different time zone for you <laughs> and said, you got it. I remember we both were ecstatic because that meant we were moving to Boston. Um, throughout the time when my husband went through the fellowship experience, um, he would talk about the Christmas conference. He would come back and talk about it and how magical it was and how wonderful it was to be among colleagues with like minds and the encouragement he found there that went way beyond academic work. It was deep fellowship. Um, and I, I think I put this in the, the review I wrote this year for the fellows, but uh, if you're a Harry Potter fan, I always imagined it a little bit like the Order of the Phoenix in the Wesleyan theolo theological world. It's this tight-knit group fighting for the good of theological formation <laughs> in the U.S. And you meet in secret rooms and you are all best friends. And it really, it really felt like that to me. And I've always, from the outside, thought, this is so cool. If, if I ever do PhD work, I'd like to uh, give it a try and see if I could become a part of the fellowship as well. So... I feel very thankful to have to have crossed into that space. Well, I know that there are a lot of other Harry Potter fans and <laughs> people enjoy hearing about that. And uh, I might just mention here that because we're doing a virtual Christmas conference, we're encouraging the fellows to invite spouses uh, or significant others to participate. And to uh, if they have a colleague that they want to bring in, uh, that that's also something that we're going to be able to do because we're doing the conference virtually. That's great. So it'll be, a, I think, an exciting, and people will be getting invitations uh, very soon. Uh, as you uh, kind of are, are thinking about uh, next steps, what's the very next step in your studies that, that you will be tackling? Because uh, uh, people will appreciate and remember as well as probably relate to some of the next steps you're working on. When will you head back to England given COVID? Sure. It's all a little up in the air right now. Um, we had our first residential period, which was supposed to be in Manchester this past June. Um, but instead I took a week off from work and really focused on writing here at my house. I, I got a chapter completed. Um, in fact, just today, I finished what is a more final draft and sending it to my advisor after this call. Um, and so I, yeah, like many scholars, probably I started in the middle and I'm working my way out. So I finished my chapter three first. Um, and I hope next week, actually, to start thinking about chapter two, um, working my way out those directions um, and exploring my writing as I go. Uh, one of the benefits, I think, I don't know if they're all like this, but my UK program has allowed my writing to be fairly exploratory. So it's, it seems to suit my more cyclical way of thinking rather than the kind of pure, this comes after this. So I, I think a little bit like an artist. So I'm writing my dissertation like an artist, kind of back and forth and all over the place. Uh, but my next steps are to really dive into chapter two. I hope to have a draft of it before Christmas um, and, and go from there. So, but I'm, I'm learning a lot, even as I write and discovering new things. I, I have not yet started dreaming about Charles Wesley, but I assume that will come <laughs> from what I've heard. <laughs> right. Well, uh, that's really terrific. And I know people are going to look forward to visiting with you and 
connecting probably in some uh, some email and other ways of uh, connecting and chatting more about this. Uh, so we'll look forward to doing more of that uh, coming up. And thanks so much for being willing to let us uh, introduce you in the fellowship and also just uh, help this uh, pilot podcast project uh, to uh, get imagined in the ways that it might serve not only uh, the fellowship itself, but also those in the wider audience and uh, uh, those that we're seeking to be partnered with and to serve. So we'll look forward to uh, talking again soon. Uh, any parting thoughts or parting words? Uh, hang in there, everybody. I know it's a hard time for, for many of us with education, with work, with kids, um, and we can do it. <laughs> Never have we needed the uh, creativity of artists uh, more, maybe, than in a time like this. It reminds us of how critical that is as uh, mm -hmm. inspiration and creativity and, uh, and also just uh, uh, telling the stories that's that right. are so much a part of our lives that, uh, that we can sometimes uh, be so hurried that we miss. So yeah, we're That's thrilled uh, to have you in the Order of the Wesleyan Phoenix. <laughs> and uh, we will look forward to talking more. So thanks. Uh, thanks Steve. so much, Steve. Yeah, thank you. This concludes today's episode of the John Wesley Fellows Podcast. This episode was produced by Colby Reed with music by Dion Key via the Free Music Archive. This podcast is a production of a Foundation for Theological Education and the Wesley Fellowship Program. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.